0: And if you think about how many people are in constant search of their purpose, right, which always puts us in the future and the future is unknown. And that's why we get nervous because we tend to not have a positive relationship with living in the unknown. And so we end up creating a lot of anxiety going, why am I here? Everyone seems to know why they're here. How come I can't figure it out? What's wrong with me? And we can end up going down a blame shame judgment game spiral when there's actually tools that can help us, you know, really connect in on a soul level and figure out what we're here to do.
1: Welcome to an all-new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media.
2: Hey guys, Jamie here. Jennifer Longmore, founder of the number one Akashic Records training school in the world, has built a thriving eight-figure business around all things consciousness. She's also a serial entrepreneur, investor, and board advisor to various conscious apps as she prepares them to trade publicly. When she's not coaching thousands of conscious entrepreneurs to create six- and seven-figure businesses doing what they love, you can find her hiking with her family, mining for crystals with her son, or enjoying martial arts with her husband. We've brought Jennifer here today to uncover the mystical realities of the Akashic Records and to tell us more about the power of being spiritually And financially
3: empowered. And yes, they can go together. Listen to this show if you're a boss babe who wants to create true financial sovereignty, you wish to start living purposefully while creating your own reality, or you want to build a seven figure business and remain spiritually connected while doing it.
0: Well, Jennifer, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is a long time coming. I totally. Well, we were like caught in that cycle of like, hey, let's just put a pin in this
2: and circle back until after the new year. You know what I mean? I actually saw a meme that was like, "Wow, this is a big time of year for all of those people who will just circle back." Let's play it quickly. I'll circle back with everybody. But I'm so glad we got this on the book. I know. we too. As one of our first interviews for the year, because you have a lot to share with us. So I'm really dying to know. This is Jamie speaking. I know a little bit about your backstory. How does somebody get into the Akashic Records and
0: starting your magical company? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, well, I grew up in a very woo family. So my maternal grandfather was solving crimes with the police as a psychic medium, and he was sending me Seth speaks books. If you've ever read any of those, even now as an adult, they make me cross-eyed. Right? They're just channeled books, and he was sending them to me in boxes from uh, his house—a you know, five-hour bus ride these big boxes like my parents could barely lift them just filled with these books and of course I didn't know that I was intuitive I just knew that I was freaking people out by saying things things to them that I thought was normal and that they just knew and they would look at me in horror like how would I know these things that nobody should know about them kind of thing right so uh but I I didn't really appreciate that gift it was actually I felt like it was a curse when I was younger I didn't know what it was I didn't know how to use it and then I kind of just decided no amount of resisting it was making it go away, why don't I just lean into it and get curious and see what it's all about? So I still followed the conventional path and went to university and became a forensic investigator. And that's a very fun job to do when you're highly intuitive, because it's one thing to know in your bones, right? That something's happening. And it's another thing to find evidence to prove it to be so. But that whole time, I, I loved that experience. It shaped who I am. And I couldn't do it anymore. It was too toxic, right? And by that time I had my Reiki mastery and I was doing all this intuitive stuff. And it was just really constricting to be dealing with constant crisis uh, one after another. So then I just took the leap as we all do, right? And uh, we have to decide how risk averse we are and how much risk we're willing to take. And I took the leap and the net actually caught me. And here I am two decades later (laughs) doing this thing that I'm still like, people pay me to do this stuff. How cool is that?
3: That's amazing. Okay. okay, so I'm Heidi, and I'm a yoga teacher. So I've been in this sort of woo-woo world for a couple decades. I actually have a really dear friend who does Akashic Records, but I've always been a little scared of it, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. um, so, so I have a sense of what this is, but
1: I think a lot of our listeners might like not. Me. Like, I have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Like, (laughs) that's the best kind of show. I have no idea, Jennifer. I think you're awesome. I'm probably going to be into it, but I have no idea what anybody's talking (laughs) about. Okay, so Jennifer, First of all, please. we're going to put that on
0: a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, I have
1: no idea what you're
2: talking about. Right. I have no idea. I bet there's a lot of people out there who probably are in the same space. Oh, for sure. Such a common thing, right? Totally. For sure.
3: Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, again, like I'm in the super woo woo world, but like even when my friend Hillary started talking about it, I was like, wait, what? And I started Googling it. So, okay, for our listeners and Megan, can you please explain exactly what they are
1: Isn't and how they like work?
0: Being a medium? Yeah, basically, like your your Akashic record, they refer to it in a lot of different religious texts. It's basically, I'll say an energetic document, almost like an energetic library that stores every bit of information about you from the time you were in the womb to this very moment. And then where you might have been in other lifetimes, if you believe in that. Right. And so it'll tell you things like why was I born during this time? Why did I choose the parents that I chose? Like, how are they contributing to my soul's growth? So it's very soulful. It's not like a psychic reading, right? It's like, why am I here? Why does my life matter? What am I here to learn? What am I here to contribute? And these, snafus that I have in my life, these phobias that don't make sense, or these illnesses that don't seem to go away, or these genetic things I seem to have inherited that don't seem fair, or whatever our brain has decided, we can go into our records intuitively, right? Just by connecting in with, I'll say a higher guidance system. It's a little more complicated to get into, right? But we do training on that. And you get to find out, well, why is this? A lot of the reason why we're in discomfort is because we just want to know why. A lot of times when our brain is satiated, we can go, oh, okay, I can move on now because I understand what I'm here to do. And if you think about how many people are in constant search of their purpose, right, which always puts us in the future and the future is unknown. And that's why we get nervous because we tend to not have a positive relationship with living in the unknown. And so we end up creating a lot of anxiety going, why am I here? Everyone seems to know why they're here. How come I can't figure it out? What's wrong with me? And we can end up going down a blame, shame, judgment game spiral when there's actually tools that can help us, you know, really connect in on a soul level and figure out what we're here to do.
1: But Jennifer, so are you like looking at my palm and going, okay, there's your record. Or am I like laying down with my eyes closed? Is there light beaming over my head? That's like, where (laughs) can it be done virtually?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's definitely light beaming out of your head. Uh, well, yeah, shower. Could that be it? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The cool thing is, so the difference between the records and let's say something like a past life regression is you're totally aware, right? You're not being put under hypnosis to figure out some of these answers. So we would be having a conversation just like we're having now. It'll feel like you're having a cup of tea with a really old friend that just knows you better than you know yourself. It's actually very comforting. It's like a nice big cup of hot chocolate, basically. It's very warming for the soul. So we just connect in basically intuitively, right? And connect in just setting intentions of connecting in with your higher consciousness, I guess we could say, right? And then there'll just be information that comes through. So for me, I will read information. I can see almost like a movie scene playing out. I can also hear information. I can just kind of know information. I can sense information. So I have kind of all of the clairs, but some people are really more clairvoyant or more clairaudient or things like that. So everyone's going to, read the information differently, but it'll be the same information if but that makes do you sense. You
1: start with your, cause like, I know where you were born, the time of day you were born. Mm-hmm. Do you need any basic information? No.
0: And in fact, I wouldn't be offering that up to people. They shouldn't need that because if they're true, the thing is it's, it's imagine it's your most sacred diary. If you can visualize like a beautiful soulful sacred diary that has a beautiful gold latch on it and a key, and it's all locked up, nobody can tamper with it. But then you might come to someone like me and say, can you read some information from this diary for me? Because I'm too close to it. I've got some blind spots. I'm a little nervous about learning some things. I don't know if I'm getting it right. Do you mind reading? You're going to give me the key. I'm going to unlock it. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm going to lock it back up and give it to you. I shouldn't need any information about you because if I'm truly channeling, it should be in your book. And I shouldn't remember anything that I channel for you because I'm not meant to. It's not my information. I'm just meant to be a translator, basically, of the information that's in there. Does that make sense?
1: So it's so, it's like super different than like tarot cards or or psychic reading. This is a whole different.
0: Yeah. It's very, very soul-based, right? It's it's answering the deeper questions. It's not that people can't go in there and say, Hey, should I move here or should I move there? But psychic readings, there's a lot of great psychics. So if, if you're listening and you're a psychic, I'm not knocking psychics. We can all read thoughts, right? We can all do that. Do people tell you that you make them nervous once you, once yes. you realize like, I'm like, shit,
1: is she reading my records right now?
0: Can't help And it. I would agree with you. I am very funny. So thank you for having that thought. <laughs> 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 that That is true. Right. And to your point as well, like we do get nervous because there's something very impactful about knowing what your purpose is in life. Right. And it can feel like a massive responsibility. It's not that we don't want to know it, We don't always know if we have what it takes to handle it. Of course, we're not going to be given something we can't handle, but our brain and our programming will tell us, oh, you're probably not good enough for that, or you'll suck at it or whatever other monkey mind stuff will come out. But none of us are given anything that we can't handle. We just sometimes forget that.
3: And then there's that quote that Mother (laughs) Teresa said, like, I know God only gives us what we can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Jennifer, so this takes me to, uh, you talk a little bit about divine intervention, I call it making your master message, but you mentioned you were being involved in a car accident when you were younger, and instead of seeing this Mm -hmm. as this negative thing, you reframed it as divine divine intervention, like why is that a tongue twister? (laughs) I think you just make me nervous because I'm not sure what's in my records, okay? I may or may not have done some bad things in my teenage years, okay? Um, but well, what advice can you give to those who may experience an unfavorable event? Un, again, I can't talk today. Unfavorable events that can easily take them down an ugly path.
0: I love that question. You know, it, all of us experience trauma differently. And so I wouldn't want to, you know, I, I don't want to blanket statement anything, but I will say for me, and in, in case anything pops for people as I share this, I was totally overworked. I decided I was going to accelerate through my university degree, which was ridiculous because I was working two 40-hour jobs and going to school full-time plus two extra classes. So shocker when my car happened to spin out of control, like my life, right, and forced me to stop. And I was mad. I was like, I do not have time to deal with these injuries. I have got things to do. I'm I'm so irritated. I still couldn't get the lesson. It was the longest night ever because I had to get a rental car. And then I almost blew over this really tall bridge. I had to drive over because it was too windy and they had to shut the bridge down. Then I drove through a blizzard with, I had to drive through white light. If you've ever driven through a blizzard where your headlights are shining against the light in such a way that you're like, are those my headlights or are these some, is this a car coming towards me? This went on for about six hours until I finally got home. I had tons of injuries, but I, it was totally out of my body because I was irritated. I was like, I've got to get my laundry done. I've got to start my shift. I had all this silly business going on. But when I sat and thought about it, like think about how profound that was. That was a massive, a spiritual initiation for me. I drove through white light and all I could do was surrender and hope and pray. And I remember when the car first got impacted, I said, I am not ready to die because I could see what was coming, right? And then my car ended up going in a different direction, which probably saved my life. Now, I don't speak about any of this with a charge anymore because I've done a lot of healing on it, right? But the gift in that was I got introduced to Reiki and I call Reiki the gateway drug for spiritual entrepreneurs because it tends to open us to the thing that we're meant to do. And after that, the akashic records dropped in. So there's probably people listening. I would imagine because rape is a common thing, and sexual assault uh, when we're children is a common thing. There's all we have lost. There's all kinds of traumas we can have, and we're going to navigate them differently. So it's not always easy to see the gift in them. And I will say that's also why the akashic records can be helpful because it provides a very loving kind of elevated perspective on why might this have come into my life. Not because we're blaming the victim, but more like of all the things I could have called into my life, is there a particular reason why this is happening right now that's actually serving me in some capacity that I just can't see right now?
2: Well, that's a really interesting point. And I think there's so many people right now that are at a crossroads and just wondering, you know, trying to find the signs and what should I do next? And a lot of people are soul searching. And I think it's really interesting that your program, Soul Journeys, is the number one training school Or Akashic Records, which is unbelievable. How does somebody get into this work? Do they need to be kind of chosen? Do they have to have mm. the gifts that you have? Or is it something that anyone can do?
0: Anyone can do it if they decide, right? If someone decides, it doesn't matter what it is it's a personal training program, a diet regime, or whatever, right? If they decide it's not going to work, it isn't. But we're all born intuitive we, some of us call it a gut feeling. Some of us call it, you know, intuition, spidey senses, you know, uh, whatever we're calling it. So we all have it and it's here to be in service to us because it helps us really decide what's aligned for me. Is this situation good for me? Is it not good for me? Should I get involved with this person? You know, whatever the things are, right? We're always sensing information. We tend to not listen to it, myself included. Anytime that I've had any issues in my life, it's always on the other side of, I didn't listen to my intuition because something sounded so good. I'm like, oh, my spidey senses say this is off, but on paper, it sounds so good. I'm going to go ahead with this particular thing. So yeah, we have a lot of people. We've trained well over hundred thousand people in over a hundred countries, which is pretty crazy, probably more than that now. Cause we have a lot more teachers. It's wild because that was never part of the plan. Right. I just thought I was going to be doing readings for the rest of my life. I couldn't have foreseen all the things that were going to come. So it, how, when was of...
2: the time that you jumped from making your own personal career path to, to mm-hmm. making it your mission to teach others? Can you take us through a little bit of that? Cause
0: I think that's yeah. a fascinating pivot. I would love to. And I think this happens to a lot of us. So I was doing readings all the time. I was ridiculous. Actually, I was doing, you know, 16 to 18 hours of readings a day because I just, you know, apparently smoke a lot of crack or something. <laughs>
3: I don't like saying no.
0: I don't like saying no. I had really bad boundaries at the time. And, uh, and first of all, it wasn't sustainable, right? I was all of a sudden I'd be like, wait a minute, I haven't worked out today. I haven't eaten today. Like I just, it wasn't occurring to me to block off time to do those things. So I had to start taking my time back. I think all of us have natural archetypes. I have a natural teacher archetype. Some people have a natural like caregiver archetype. We all have different archetypes. And so people are going to often ask me to teach them things. And I kept having my clients ask me to teach them how to do it. And I was like, well, I can't teach you. Nobody has officially ordained me from the heavens or wherever that's supposed to come from, right? Like I was, because I'd gone through university, I was, I didn't have a, you know, degree, like how am I supposed to teach you this? And people started getting mad at me, actually. They thought I was being rude. They thought I was hoarding information. They thought I was trying to be, you know, monopolizing the world. Like, I don't know what they thought. And I really wasn't. I was coming from a place of standard of care. And I thought, okay, well, um, let me ask, I guess I'll ask my guides like is a time and it was so I said okay well tell me what you want to learn that if you want me to teach it you're gonna have to tell me what you want me to teach you so after the first level which is learning how to do it for yourself because that's the starting place people said okay when's the level two training I said there is no level two training <laughs> like well you need to create it and then after level two they said when's level three and I said there is no level three and then after level three, they said, when's level four? And I said, hold up, we're not going to keep doing all these levels. We'll do an annual training once a year and I'll help you, you know, we'll download something new for, for skills and stuff. The director of learning that we have is our very, one of our very first is this um, students, a physical right? And that was it all
1: virtual. It's all, all virtual. virtual. Yeah. Like forever, it's all, virtual. Meaning
0: all virtual, always virtual. No, I used to teach it in person. And uh, then when I came into the, I was doing business for about five years in person and I was hundred percent referral based. And then I happened to discover the online world. Like I had the grossest website. It was so bad. I had no freebie because I didn't know what a freebie was. I didn't have any of the things that people are supposed to have on their website. And I came into the online world And then when I realized, yeah, I've got, now I'm getting clients from all over the world. How am I going to serve them? I can't, every time someone, like I was getting people saying, Hey, I'd love to learn records. Would you ever come to Pakistan? Well, yeah, I guess, but I would need to have like 50 people in the class in order for it to be worthwhile, right. For me to come. It was prohibitive for people to participate if they were, if they could only do it live. So I didn't even realize it was possible.
1: Is it more powerful in person? Do you feel more or sense more face-to-face with someone?
0: No, it's the same. Cause it's all just energy. Other people will decide, oh, I'm not going to get value unless I sit in front of you or I have to, you know, be live with you in person or things like that. But that's all just construct, right? Because we know that we can read someone's email and have transformation. We don't actually need to talk to people to have transformation, but we're very cute at creating these limitations right around just like, when we can does, grow.
1: Does it come from like voice tonation? What are you reading?
0: Well, I'm reading energy, essentially, right? But the energy, like energy will come through
1: the screen the same way it comes through like face-to-face.
0: Yeah, because I'm reading energy, and the energy will translate itself to allow me to best read the information and reflect it back to you. So you might say to me, Jennifer, what's my purpose? And I'll say, just a moment, I'm going to ask your your guides and your guides will tell me what your purpose is. And then I'll reflect it back to you and I'll say, what I'm hearing is, this is your purpose. Where do you feel that in your body? Because your body's going to be a barometer for truth. But so if it's true-
1: change too, right? So will people repeatedly get your records changed? Because I feel like my purpose has changed decade by decade.
0: I don't know that our purpose changes. I think that our purpose deepens and it evolves and it expands. Right. So for example, if we look at my purpose, because I do way more business coaching now than anything, honestly, and that's not, I mean, I do it in the Akashic records, but I'm mainly sought out now for, for business coaching to help seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs scale and do whatever they need to do. So when I'm doing that, I'm still tuning into consciousness, right? Basically my company sells the elevation of people's consciousness. So the Akashic records is one way that that does that. I do a lot of wealth consciousness training with people. I do a lot of stuff with their business consciousness, but ultimately it's all about evolving consciousness. And then it just, it takes shape, right? So these, the records are just the earthly mechanism that I use to help you connect them with your soul as an example.
3: I love that. And I want to circle back to the financial everything (laughs) that you have, like you said, so many things that I wanted to circle back to, because for me, especially as somebody who's been in yoga for like two decades, when I first started doing sponsorships and things that actually earned money, people were like, it was very frowned upon. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't possibly be spiritual. If you earn a living, those things Mm -hmm. cannot exist. So I love that you offer services around financial wellness, especially Mm -hmm. from something that you started our podcast saying, like I'm from a woo woo family. Like, I love this. This is amazing. I love that you are showing us that this can coexist. So we all believe that there is a connection between holistic wellness and our finances. So can you maybe Mm -hmm. share your secret to ownership and control of your finances and where could others maybe start?
1: I have to say, I bought a money tree at Trader Joe's today, and I don't know if that's the same thing, but I did buy a (laughs) lucky money tree at Trader Joe's this morning.
0: Well, if you put it in the right corner of your house, now you're going to have to go online and Google all the feng shui stuff and find out what corner does it need to be in, and then you'll be good to go. Yeah, the yogi community, as many communities, right, will they'll claim that you're being egotistical if you want more money but the fact that they're judging you is also an ego play totally. right so that's that's the hilarity of it
3: yogis are the most inflexible humans i know period full stop the <laughs> more famous they are the more inflexible i find them
0: yeah well there's a lot of programming right so i'm not going to say it's a religion but if we look at kind of the the broader sense of religion, there's a lot of poo-pooing on it and decisions that someone has made, who knows who that person is, that you're somehow more spiritual if you have less money and you're less spiritual if you have more money. And money has nothing to do with spirituality, but I will say that because money is a consciousness, everything is consciousness because everything's energy. If we are claiming to elevate consciousness and we're bypassing wealth consciousness, we're actually not elevating consciousness.
3: The idea in the yogic community, I think it, I'm not saying I buy into this. I <laughs> have that was not an intentional word choice, but yeah. um, I, it comes from Aparigraha, which is that non-attachment. I think that's where a lot of people get in the spiritual yoga world, say that you shouldn't be attached to possessions or things and money is used to buy things. I'm not saying I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I totally agree. With and hey, you if
0: they're happy, I mean, people can have $100 in their bank account and be blissed out and other people can have $10 million in their bank account and be the most miserable people. So we all have a money story. It's about how healthy is it? To me, a healthy money story is, can I go to sleep without worrying about money? Can I make decisions without instantly having to focus on can I afford it? Can I allow money to support my purpose? Can I allow it to help me hire even more people for my company? Can I allow it to, you know, invest in really high quality things that I put in my body? I'm really anal about what I put in my body. I'm I've been raw vegan for almost two decades. I'm very particular about creating pristine conditions in my home and my body and my consciousness. So anything that's going to contribute to that, no matter the cost, I'm going to invest in it. Right. And it allows me, of course, it allows me to be the the most um, clear channel that I can be. I'm not the clearest channel. I just mean it creates the conditions, but then I get to show up for people differently, including my family, right? Because I'm lit up. I have vibrancy and vitality and, you know, all of the things. So yeah, I would just say, if we look at the Ascension journey that we're all on, and I I know we all kind of get that now, right? We're evolving as a humanity if we're gonna be constantly playing the blame, shame, judgment game, how spiritual are you then? If, if we're going to really play enlightenment Olympics, what medal are you going for? If you're going to be judging McJudgerson all the time, right. And, and, um, be deciding what, how much money people should have before they become too much of something.
3: I love it so
1: much. Jeffrey,
0: I'm like a little obsessed <laughs> over what
1: are pristine conditions in your house. Does this mean you're like walking around with the Clorox wipe? What are pristine no. conditions no no
0: toxins. I don't allow a lot of clutter in my home. I don't want things in my home that don't spark joy, the whole Marie Kondo thing. right? And, uh, but when people come to our home, they say the energy feels very clean. So it's more about just creating an environment that's peaceful. I used to live in the city. I now live in the forest. I live on 15 acres of protected land and a forest all around me and a lake and a river and, and all of the things. And so it's it's a quiet, beautiful place out here. I get to kind of hermit and honor my inner hermit out here and then go to the city when it feels like it lights me up. But uh, the pristine home is really, is everything in here making me feel like myself. Do I feel lighter? Do I feel heavier? Anything that makes me feel heavy, it doesn't mean I'm throwing it out. I'm probably gonna ask someone else if they would enjoy taking it home and <laughs> giving it some love, right? If it's no longer. That's funny. Uh, I got home here. from
1: vacation yesterday and I manically cleaned my house and made donation bags and purged for 12 hours because I just felt like the energy was just too much stuff post-Christmas, post-holidays, post-vacation, and I needed it out. So that's the
0: Mm -hmm. pristine
1: home. Got it. Yeah. We keep talking about purpose, which I'm fascinated by because I think- finding your soul's purpose can sometimes be hard. What are ways to bring about our true calling? Like if we're not having our records read and someone's just mm-hmm. on a walk listening to us right now, like what are some like little things they can do to start to kind of get in touch with that true calling?
0: That's a great question. We uh, One of the things that I realized throughout my journey, like I remember hosting a healing circle one time at this crystal store. This was way back in the beginning of my journey and we're all sitting on pillows on the floor. And I had a a total deja vu moment because when I was five, I used to do that with my dolls and I would talk gobbledygook. I didn't, I would just be kind of talking in tongue, probably not really, right? Cause I'm not, I'm not religious, but I had this full circle moment of, oh my God, my childhood was foreshadowing these things. And that was just one example, but there's so much in our childhood that tells us what actually lights us up. The other thing I encourage people to look at is what do people constantly ask you for? Are they asking you for guidance? Are they asking you for nurturance? Are they asking you for creative ideas? Because the repetitive asks are actually an indication of the way in which we're meant to be helping people on the planet, right? So are we a guide? Are we a teacher? Are we a caregiver? Things like that. And that's not gonna give us all the answers, but it starts to at least help us go through a process of elimination, but it also starts to pop other ideas as well.
3: Wait, that popped a question for me. Are guide and teacher two different things? Or did you say them as synonyms, guide and teacher?
0: I guess they could be two different things, right? Like a guide might be someone that's a facilitator or someone that hosts retreats and takes people on whatever. And we can have, of course, more than one way in which we help people, but there'll be a dominant thing that people keep asking us to do that we take for granted because it comes so naturally to us. That's the other thing. It it will come so naturally to us that it doesn't even occur to us to turn it into like some sort of monetized purpose because we just love doing it and we can do it in our sleep. And we couldn't imagine not doing it. It's just who we are.
1: I think that the thing that's also like a fascinating exercise is simply looking back to your childhood and recalling what lights you up. These are going to be my shower thoughts for the day because like (laughs) I had a bug collection. I had frozen bugs annotated in the freezer. That's the furthest thing that I do right now. But I loved my bug collection. I raised earthworms. I had a rock tumbler. I need to like think on that because I'm feeling a little bit disconnected from my purpose right now. But like, what was that? doing that I'm not doing now. I think that's a fascinating exercise for anybody to think back to those Mm -hmm. years and like, what was the hobby? What was the, the thing?
2: Totally. And you know what I was just thinking of was my early days in 12 step recovery. When I, you know, I've been in 12 step recovery for a long time. And so I've been sober many years. And in the beginning years, as you get sober, you start taking on sponsees and the way that it works for anybody who's never been in recovery circles is like, they ask, You, you know, if you see someone, if you're a newcomer and you see someone in in meetings that essentially has what you want as far as spiritual recovery goes, then you can ask them to sponsor you. I had this thing where I got and I said I went to my own sponsor and I said, Ava, why do I get all the crazies? Like all these other my (laughs) other friends in here get like the cool, like fun newcomer, and I would get every like homeless, mentally ill, you know, I'm a a, a tranny and I'm married to a man and we have six cats, you know, like literally these backstories that I was like, I am not equipped for this, but I can see you need a soft place to fall. And that's what my sponsor said. She goes, Jamie, this is what you're here. Clearly they see something in you that you were put here because you're who they needed today. And sometimes we have these things in life, Megan, even with your, you know, rampant cleaning yesterday, sometimes these are like energetic plays, right? We just maybe don't see them that
0: way in the moment. Right. Jennifer. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think for sure when we're holiday, for example, where we're getting a lot of gifts, or there's just a lot of stuff. There's something about the energy of things that need to circulate, right? It's it's almost like there's no room. We have to create some room in the energetic closet, so to speak, and, and clear out some dust bunnies, but also just moving energy. There's a thing called the donkey method where you move things around in your home 15 minutes a day, put away that clutter of paper and just spend 15 minutes on it or clear and clean your desk drawer, tidy up your makeup drawer, whatever it is, right? And there's something about that that actually makes it a lot easier to manifest throughout I the day do that because every you've day. moved energy. I didn't That's amazing. Not- Monkey
1: method.
0: Yeah, that's one name for it. I'm sure there are I call many it mess equals
1: it. stress. And I, yeah, like, that, that's like it just clears my creative energy when I'm like, okay.
2: Well, speaking of kind of the energy of things, I understand you and your son share a love for crystal mining and essential oil, <laughs> yes. essential oil mixes. So, does your family share your passion for higher consciousness? And how have you used this philosophy to guide your parenting?
0: Yes and no. So, my son is very intuitive and his dad actually is very intuitive. My husband's very intuitive, but he wouldn't tell you that he's actually very good at manifesting, but he taught, and I actually think this is true of all of us. I think we're all under manifestors. Could he articulate what I do? No. And I never needed him to, when I got together with him, because it's not the easiest thing to explain as you can well imagine. Right. But with my son, he's very intuitive so we do make essential oil blends together. He loves that stuff. He's a very quiet kid. He's he's really does not like to have friends. He's 12 now. I would say he's very soft and he's very sensitive and he gets startled very easily. He's just a very sensitive kid, right? So the oils help him. We diffuse oils every night in his room. We're mindful of gatherings and stuff. He can weirdly be in big crowds, but if we were to have a birthday party for him with like 10 kids, he would pout and sulk and just not because he's a bad kid, but because he's just overwhelmed, right? So I would say it affects parenting in that I'm always, I'm the person that doesn't need him to go to school all the time. I actually would kind of prefer that he just go to like a Waldorf school or Montessori school or something his dad really is anal about like, he's got to go to school and get all these things done. And I'm like, yeah, school schmool. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot My of things that kids me, can, like he's going, well, I'm looking at like, how do we, how do we elevate the whole human, so to speak? Right. And how can we, I, I'm really big on how do we help kids develop character so that they're People want to be around them and that they can have a fulfilling life and career and whatever because their character is currency, right? And it it helps them move through the world. I want him to have multiple interests and be able to try different things and take some of those risks. He and I are both Virgos, so I really understand his nature and I was a very shy kid, which I can, I know can be kind of hard to understand now, but I was a really sensitive kid and I was very shy and he's very much like that. So I get to speak his language and kind of be his translator when other people are judging him for not wanting to like, what do you mean? You don't want to have friends over for your birthday. Well, he doesn't want to have friends over for his birthday. He wants to be around his family. Let's just let this kid honor his natural rhythms and so on. Right. I think we can intuit a lot of things for our kids and just tune into what do they really need. And additionally, I can see too how, like, I always knew when it was time for a snack, right? I could see the signs easily. (laughs) Anyone that's a parent knows this, right? I think we've got about 15 minutes until hangry time. So we're going (laughs) to, you know, so I started getting a lot better at making sure I had, like many moms, right? I have a gazillion little packets of things in my purse and things like that to kind of stay ahead of things, but also to help him. Start to tune into am I hungry? Am I full? Do I need a snack? Let me use my words and ask for water. How you know, whatever the situation is. But it is interesting because everyone in his family, other than me, has a has a job. I'm the model for entrepreneurship and he leans more towards me. So I know he's probably going to go in that direction, right? But there's a lot of poverty consciousness thinking over here that I have to mitigate against. And I do that just by asking him questions so that he can come to his own conclusions versus telling him how he should think about money and how he should think about his things and stuff. But it is an adventure.
1: (laughs) You talk about yourself as a kid as like you saw orbs and you were telekinetic and telepathic. Does he have that? And talk skeptics off the ledge.
0: Mm -hmm. He's very good at reading people's energy. And deciding whether he's going to stay in the room or not. So he's very good at reading energy. I'm pretty sure he's pretty good at reading thought clouds and getting a sense of who he can trust and who he can't. He has a lot of dreams and especially in lockdown when we first went into lockdown. He had the worst nightmare, but it felt real. Even when he told me it went through my body, I was like, Ooh, that feels awful, right? Like I could sense that he was picking up on something bigger, but his, his other side of the family, they're very religious. And they told him at I would say around age three, that he was going to go to hell, even if other people swore around him. So anytime he would hear, you know, accidental things on TV shows and stuff where we wouldn't know there was going to be, you know, an F-bomb being dropped or something, he would have a visceral convulsion on the couch. It would stress him out to the point he really thought he was going to hell. But again, if we look at this spiritually, right, why did this kid come in now to the parents that he has to the family he has, where there's such a juxtaposition between entrepreneurship and job and spirituality versus religion and all this kind of stuff. What is it like, I get curious about how is this shaping him and how, how is it going to play out for him? Where, where is he going to land?
1: My final thing is, okay. Skeptics. If somebody's on a road trip right now walking with us and are like
0: i don't know about this <laughs> what do you say to the skeptics i say whatever floats your boat you know i get asked a lot like what about the mormons down in utah how do you go and let them know about the akashic records i'm like why would i why would i go and force this on people and tell them this is what you should believe right what i know for sure about the akashic records is that and there'll be people that this is happening for right now as they're listening to this it's going to spark something it's like a homecoming it can even be emotional for people hearing about it or the thought of tuning into it because you're being invited back to connect in with your soul, right? It's it's the most palpable soul connection you'll feel with yourself when your Akashic markets are open, but it's not for everyone, right? So if it's meant for someone on their path, it will call them forward. But I think skepticism is a good thing, actually. There's a lot of, great things out in the world as we know that are designed to help people. And there's a lot of things that we're told are designed to help us that actually do the opposite. So I'm a big fan actually of people having healthy skepticism.
3: I love it. We just got so much information and so much to think about. Thank you so much. This (laughs) has been amazing. So we ask all of our incredible inspiring guests, that's you, (laughs) for our very last segment, which Megan is going to introduce. It's called. Karma call. I love Megan saying karma call because she just does all the enthusiasm in the world and it opens my heart every time. Um, But I'm a yogi. I know, you know, but maybe there's a new listener who doesn't know that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we're asking you for a karma call of one small actionable item that could yield a large result for any of our listeners if they tried it for like a week or two. So small action, big results.
0: Mm, okay. Well, this is going to maybe sound kooky for some people, but I'm telling you, this is something I do every day and I've done it for two decades. I, and I know we're, it's not necessarily related to Akashic Records, but it is about consciousness, right? And we were talking about wealth consciousness before. So for some people, whatever the consciousness is that you struggle with, right? So if it's body consciousness, write to your body every day for 30 days. If it's wealth, Consciousness, prosperity, whatever you want to call it, do that for 30 days. If it's your business, if it's relationship energy, right? Either because you want to call it in or because you're in a relationship that's making you want to pull your hair out, just start writing to it and you can let it rip. Listen, money, I keep asking you to come around and where are you? You know, every time I ask you to come around, I know you're there and you don't show up for me and something will click. You'll be like, oh my God, that's my emotionally distant dad. And then you realize, oh, my relationship with money right now in my current reality is mirroring my relationship with my dad in that awareness then we have the capability of shifting something because we're now aware of it right and then we get to choose and we get to just decide in that moment that's not how it's going to be so then we might say okay money I now have clarity on what this dance is so I'm now choosing to have this kind of relationship with you here's how I would like you to show up with me and you go in every single day and every single day the letter is going to be different because sometimes you're going to be miffed with money. Sometimes you're going to be excited to keep talking about what you want to create and everything in between. Now I'm just using money as an example, but the body, you know, can be a, a very common one as well. And I know we're all big fans of, you know, tuning in with our body and stuff. So when we do that and we commit to that, because it really only takes five or 10 minutes, I'm, I'm telling you like it, it, because you're not just uncovering little tiny thoughts, you're uncovering actual paradigms that keep you locked in a reality that you don't want to be in anymore. And when you have those aha moments, it has a palpable and exponential shift.
3: I love that. So thirty days. This you're talking. You're writing the letter to the same thing.
0: Yes,
2: love it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. You are an absolute fountain of wisdom, and <laughs> your energetic presence here on this Zoom and on this podcast for anyone listening is it. Uh, it's almost disarming. I got to say, like, <laughs> you no, know, you are this very this mystical rock. Of, <laughs> Them. it's very interesting how different people's energy comes on to this zoom as three podcasters here who talk to hundreds of people every year for this show i'm telling you there's something very magical about you so thank you for sharing that magic Aww. with us
0: thank you. where
2: can our listeners find you
0: on the internet not instagram well if they want to go deeper then i do have a free soul acceleration system where i give you all kinds of questions for free um, when you just go to the site so it's SoulJourneys.ca forward slash soul. And that's going to give you all the well, way more information about the Akashic Records, but also a lot of questions that you can go through from your childhood and other times to start really drilling down. What is my purpose? And then Instagram is Jennifer Longmore. Facebook is Jay Longmore. And I don't couldn't tell you where else I am, but because my team does all my social media. But you will find you. You'll get me on Instagram and Facebook. I love it. Well thank you. I'm glad we got you. <laughs> All right. Love meeting you. You too. Thank you, ladies. Have a good week. Thank you.
1: Bye. Have a good one. That was very interesting. My view on all of this
2: is like, I have looked into the Akashic Records before and I always go into it with like, I'm kind of like right down the middle. I'm half skeptic and half totally open-minded to it. I kind of believe like, I don't know what I don't know. You know, like I definitely, like, I don't know, I'm not God. I think that it's so interesting when somebody, this is why I love interviewing people like her. She's so normal. She's so reasonable. She's like, I said, at the end, she's like a rock of wisdom. And she just seems like, yeah, why wouldn't you believe that your entire
3: life is recorded in this ancient tomb of energy? Right? Totally, And this is Heidi speaking. So I have a friend who started doing this many years ago and I remember looking into it, but I love that Jennifer said that it involves past lives. If, and I'm doing like air quotes for listeners, if you believe in that, because I, when I was introduced to it, it was all about your past lives. And I was like, mm. hmm. I just don't. I fully believe that all information is good information. And I love how Jennifer was talking about the clues or you can find the cues and clues in your childhood by your childhood behaviors and all that. And so, Jane, I think I fall very close to you with a little bit of, maybe I have less skepticism. I don't know, who knows, but I believe both things, right? I can see the sides, both sides, but I I'm always an information searcher. Like Anything that can help us evolve and be better, I'm so on board for and here for. So I love that these records can help us with that.
1: I never heard of this before. So like I was very much trying to wrap my head around it and being like, okay, well, what's the difference between you and Marianne the Medium, who I just adore? Marianne also talks about talking to guides and whatnot. I mean, it's all super, super interesting. And she has A very calming presence and really good hair, by the way, which we did. Yes, beautiful. I couldn't stop thinking about her hair. It was so pretty. Really good hair. I was fascinated by it. And I'm like, gonna think more about my bug collection does my purpose lie in the frozen bug collection from you like to analyze
3: things that's all I could think of Meg's when you said that that you put them in ice trays I'm like you you wanted to keep them so maybe you like attachments but then you were saying all the cleaning stuff that was all that bumped into my head when you said that I'm like but she likes to be able to study them
2: I just had like the image of Megan as the ultimate camp counselor of life like it's just like to me like I just like that's funny Being outdoors and hunting earthworms and having fun and just being this perpetual youthful energy was, I I didn't look at it at first, the bugs, I was like, oh, you should be an anthropologist. And then I was like, no, Megan's just like, that's what kids do. And it, it, to me, it harkened your youthful energy and that that is your greatest gift to give to this world.
1: I love a Jamie breakdown. I'm going to go with that instead of becoming an entomologist. Yeah. I don't
2: know if it's right, but I guess what it is that's what it sparked for me but I also like that she said you know your purpose doesn't necessarily change because you were saying like your purpose well I feel like my purpose changes a lot and it's like yeah sure I mean throughout our life I mean you know my purpose when I was in my 20s I thought the purpose of life was to have a good time and know the DJ and be on the guest list you know what I mean like that was the purpose of life and then my purpose today is to be a successful entrepreneur and to be a mom is that my greater purpose and so I think it's interesting to just like sink into like What's my greater purpose? Because I was talking to somebody this morning, a friend of mine who's going on a mission for three months. She's on air at QVC. She's one of the top hosts at QVC. And she's leaving for three months to go to Mexico on a mission um, to serve the Lord. And that's her thing. And so, she, you know, we were talking about it though. And she was like, now I'm starting to feel nerves. And I said, you know, Kirsten, I said, you can't take it all with you at the end, right? No one sees a U-Haul following a hearse. Like you can't take it with you. You have to do the things that you're being called to do in your heart well, you're here. So I think if we all sat back and thought about that a little bit more, how often do we get just called into like the day-to-day drudgery without really st- taking a step back and being like, what are the things that really, really ignite my soul?
1: Totally. Oh, bug, bug, ah! bug collection.
2: It's either that or you're a serial killer. So it's one of those.
1: Ah! That's all an- pod- your those. crime podcast. Jane, it's one of those true two crime. Heidi, I listen to true crime podcasts now too. I got, I got her hooked them on vacation oh my all god all right don't, I don't love it mind? I mean
3: come your on. true purpose gets revealed with each phase of life yes exactly little stay
2: tuned to the next episode of off the gram to find out if Megan is a serial killer <laughs> 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 and thank you at home for tuning in don't forget to follow us on the gram, off the gram podcast and don't forget to subscribe to this show so you never miss an episode we'll see you next time